Welcome back, everybody, to Brick by Brick. Today, I have an awesome guest with me. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but this guy is literally my best friend since childhood. I've known him since I was 11 years old, which is we're 19 years deep into our friendship, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Um, I'm getting married, as a lot of you know, in November, and he's going to be the best man at my wedding. Um, I mean, we went our separate ways since high school, but we've always kept in touch the entire time. So um alex can you tell the audience a little bit about you and um i guess what you do a couple of your interests and just give an overall little intro about yourself absolutely jake thanks for having me and to clarify for everybody we went our separate ways uh physically and uh to different states no, no right. other way other than that um yeah it's it's i'm excited to be on your your new podcast series jake so thanks again and a little, just a little about myself. Like he said, my name's Alex. I'm actually, I'm a marketer as well, career long marketer, not really by design. That's just sort of how it worked out. Um, maybe I watched a little bit too much Mad Men in college. I don't know. Um, nothing like that in the real world anymore. <laughs> um, I also, uh, I'm a serial podcaster, actually, if anybody wants to uh, hear more about that. You can talk to Jake and get you in touch with me. But uh, since in some way, shape or form, I've been podcasting con continually since I think about 2014 or something. And it's kind of crazy to think about because I can remember whenever I started <clears throat> one with some friends back then, that was, we were thinking to ourselves like, oh, like we're a little bit late to the game, but it's still a relatively new thing. Right. And here we are, we were definitely right because it's 2022 and it's, you know, 10 times bigger than it was back then. So, um, I, I've been doing it prefer, uh, professionally and personally in various endeavors. So we, I can add this to my, uh, my list of accomplishments and, um, yeah, you I, had a podcast before everybody in the world had a podcast. It, exactly. It, yeah. it was, I wasn't the first one, but it was before everyone had a podcast because right. everybody has a podcast now, but, um, uh, anyways, yeah. So Jake and I practically uh, grew up together, as he mentioned. I'm glad you did the math before getting on. I did right. no preparation. I'm very excited to just sort of wing this with you. But um, we, you know, we went to school together, um, stayed very, very close throughout all the years. Very excited about his uh, Jake's wedding and Kelly's wedding in uh, November. Uh, anything else? Marketing, grew up together, podcasting. No. I don't want to take up too much time. No, I mean, you pretty much covered all the all the main highlights, but the main thing that Alex and I, outside of just personal stuff, have kept in touch about is a little bit of career here and there, but really heavily on the financial side of things with investing, sort of financial successes and failures, um, you know, crypto, NFTs, like really anything that's emerging or anything that can save us money or make us more money or help us, you know, hopefully have financial freedom one day completely. Those are the kind of things that we talk about a lot, both in, you know, text, we call each other all the time. Um, we've done other podcast episodes, as Alex alluded to, um, that have to do with this as well. So yeah, reach out to me, reach out to Alex, if you're interested in listening to any of that stuff. But um, I wanted to have a recurring segment on Brick by Brick that was about you know, investing financial things, because it is such a big part of my life. And it is something that I think about a lot. So I wanted brick by brick to be 
a direct reflection of just my life in general. So not only is Alex my best friend, so it just naturally makes sense to have him on here, but it's a subject matter that not only he and I talk about all the time, but it's something that we feel like can bring a lot of value to people that listen to this because I feel like we are pretty solid when it comes to the way we think about things. I mean, of course, everybody has their different strategies and things like that, but I feel like you and I are pretty good at knowing a bit about the details, but we're also really good at breaking it down in simple ways that like the average person could grasp onto. So I wanted to make sure we brought some of that content onto here because I don't want this show to be all about marketing, all about business all the time. So um, Alex is definitely my go-to person to talk about this kind of stuff with. So we're just going to bring it to you guys. And likewise, Jake, and also speaking from my own perspective, I do, I'm very, very money minded. Like I'll be the first person to admit it. I'm very motivated by it. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how can I be making more money? Like right Right. now I'm not making more money. I could make more money. And here's the thing though. It's very important for me to give a little bit of context for everybody. I don't love money. I don't care about money. I love the freedom that money can buy. So as Jake mentioned, like independent financial freedom one day, to me, that means answer to nobody and have zero debt and literally do whatever I want. So that, that is my goal. Anytime that Jake and I are talking about investing in, in money in general, that's why I'm so motivated by it. I think some, you know, people who are, who have the the negative stigmatism, uh, stigmatism, the (laughs) negative stigma with money that they're just like greedy or they just want more and more and more. It's not about that for me. It's about freedom. Like that's, that's why I'm so into making money. Right. You're not the type of person, at least based on my whole history with you, you're not the type (laughs) of person that's going to go buy a Rolex if you start making more money and you're not going to, you're not going to go buy like expensive shoes or like, you know, you might go on some crazy trip because I know that you like experiences, but you're definitely not the flashy type of guy that's going to go like, um, buy I'm, a, always, I'm always going to look like this. Right. Same here. I'm wearing a freaking sweatshirt and yeah. you know, I'm making, I'm making over double the amount of money that I made at one point in my life. And my lifestyle hasn't changed a whole lot. So hundred um, percent well said. Yeah. But the, the segment here, that's going to be kind of a recurring segment. I would say, I don't want to commit to anything, but maybe once a month, twice a month, something like that is probably reasonable, but that's when you can expect the frequency of this specific segment. And I'm going to call this segment HODL happy hour. And HODL is definitely cheesy when you say it out loud. But if you look it up, H-O-D-L, it's a huge, you know, it basically just means hold. And it's a big term in the whole like Reddit, Twitter world when it comes to investing and um, holding on to stocks for a long period of time. So I'm definitely a big, oh yeah, of course. And I'm a huge holding person in general. I definitely flip occasionally when it comes to like, I buy something and then it flies up and then I sell it. But I would say the, you know, 75% of my specific behavior when it comes to investing, whether it's crypto, NFTs, um, stocks, I'm usually a big holding type of person. Like I just buy stuff and just hold on to it and forget about it. So that title for the, uh, for the segment really fits me personally, but it's also just kind of a funny thing that other people will be able to look at and relate to. And naturally, Alex and I have always been drinking buddies as well. So mm-hmm. we're going to make this a happy hour segment where, you know, it's probably going to most likely occur uh, after the workday because we're not going to drink on the job. 
And um, I'm going to go on the record saying it will be after the work day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it will be after work. (laughs) So we're going to do a happy hour and um, it might not be an hour. It might be more like 30, 45 minutes, but either way, we're going to talk about finance. We're going to talk about investing and we're going to have a drink while we do it. So that's kind of the concept here. Um, With that being said, Alex, what drink do you have today? So I have, this is one of my, my favorite, I need to come up with a list of like my top 10 or top five, but this is a Vesper martini out of actually, if anybody can see, it's literally a James Bond martini glass. That's like decades old, but um, a Vesper martini is special because it's, uh, I'm a gin martini guy. Like that's to me, that's what a martini is, not vodka personal preference, but it's, it's gin with basically a splash of vodka. The measurement I use is eight to eight measures to one. And then there's also the, the key thing is Lille Blanc and a lemon twist. And to me, it is just utterly dangerously drinkable considering it's pure booze in a glass. So I have the Vesper here with me today. Very nice. I need to have that next time I come up there. It looks really Oh, I'll good. make you one. I yeah, like stuff with lemon you. a lot. Like anything that has like a lemon feel to it. I'm always a big fan. This considering it's, you express it over the glass, then drop it in it. It's crazy how noticeable it is with and without the lemon. Right. Yeah. I definitely got to try that next time. Um, on my end, I just went a little bit more simple with uh, just a beer, but it is a local Tampa based beer. It's a night swim from Coppertail. Alex, I think you've had this when you came down here. It's probably just have. It looks familiar. Yeah, it's it's a very dark porter type of beer. It kind of has like a coffee, chocolatey, nutty taste to it. And whenever I have beer, this is definitely one of my like top three go-tos. And I'll probably introduce some of the other ones whenever we have future episodes. But that's they what have I'm awesome on. artwork on their cans. Yeah, I actually used Our to field. work at um, the company that made some of their labels, which is cool. Ah, that's right. I remember them. Yeah, about 2015 or so. Yeah, I used to turn yeah. around at my desk at work and like see the new copper tail labels yeah, before they you came know out. what's coming out. That's yeah, really it was awesome. kind of cool. But um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at so far. But um, with that being said, now that we have our drinks out of the way, we can dive Cheers. into some. Yeah, man, good call. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. that tastes like money. Right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just did dry January, and um, it's Same. nice to be able to sip on some beers again. Oh yeah, definitely. And and honestly, it was a really good reset and checkpoint for me personally. First of all, I, I definitely lost a couple of pounds. I noticed yeah. that. Yeah. And then I was just like, man, I need to be more intentional about drinking, not just like get home and have two beers just because, right. you know, so yeah. that's helped. Yeah. So dry January for you went pretty well, you think? It was like, incredible. Did you ever I, struggle? Not really. No. And, and I mean, I made a couple of single drink exceptions. Like for example, um, a colleague from London came over and wanted to go to a, a pub, of course, as he, as he would call it. And I, I'm not going to say no to that. So it, uh, one thing I'm, this is, this can bleed over into financial stuff too. I'm trying to not do as many absolutes in life because in many cases they lead to failure. So I like that a lot. yeah, I wound up having like three drinks in the month of January or something like that. And it was just a fantastic experience overall. Cool. Love it. Yeah. We, uh, we don't drink a whole lot to begin with anymore, but, um, there were definitely a couple of times when it was tested with different social situations and stuff like that. But yeah, um, we can actually get into alcohol at some point in the future. Cause it's another interesting topic, but I, I found, I found a couple of non-alcoholic beers that I really like. Um, one of the specific one is called athletic brewing and Kelly's younger brother, Brady, who's like a 
super healthy, super knowledgeable person when it comes to all things nutrition. Um, I saw him drinking it and it kind of piqued my interest because he's not a huge drinker in the first place. And they taste, I mean, I'm not going to say that it tastes like this, but like they have a darker beer that like can definitely be a solid replacement for like a good porter or like a good yeah. stout. And they also have one that tastes similar to a good IPA. So a lot of the non-alcoholic beers that I've tried before that, like just taste very watered down, like very gross. But <laughs> this one specifically, um, this brand specifically seems to have the angle where they're making it taste really good as if it's like a premium craft beer, but it's just non-alcoholic. And I really like it. I know your interest is genuine because I saw you post about it on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I post about it on LinkedIn, that means I'm like really, really into it. You're checking it out. Right. So um, let's get into the financial side of all this stuff. So take the people through at a high level, Alex, what you view as your, I guess, investment strategy when it comes to like a breakdown between stocks, crypto, NFTs, long-term versus short-term and like kind of how are you looking at just investing as a whole for both your short-term and your long-term? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm glad you're asking me today and not six months to a year ago, because uh, I'm constantly a work in progress when it comes to all of this. Um, I don't have any formal education, you know, in finance. I'm mostly self-taught, all that stuff. It's not financial advice. School teaches you nothing. It, it absolutely doesn't. Um, so with all of those disclaimers out of the way, um, I will say that I've been ever since Robinhood, which I think is a disgusting company. And if you use that as your primary exchange, I recommend you switch. But um, <laughs> I will say they, they did level the playing field a little bit back when Robinhood came out because they, you know, were commission free and everything. They basically forced all the big exchanges to adopt that same thing mm -hmm. because they lost so much to the competition. And, uh, you know, just the ease of having it on your phone in a nice mobile friendly format. Um, that Robinhood is what sort of got me into daily looking at the stock market, sometimes day trading, et cetera, you know, that kind of like really, really getting into it. And that was several years ago. I want to say maybe, you know, 2017, 2018. Um, Real quick. And yeah. What did, you, what did you do before 2017 in terms of like, like, did you check it like once yeah. a month, like that kind of thing? No, no. So I only made, I made a couple of purchases quote as a kid like whenever i told my dad like hey i have a thousand dollars can you get me microsoft you know that mm -hmm. kind of a thing and, and so that i'm not even counting that of course i did i opened my td my personal td ameritrade account which is my my uh like broker exchange of choice i, I love td ameritrade they never let me down and um i opened that in probably like 2014 or something like that and i had a very simple strategy you know i i was still like I still had a significant amount of college debt and everything. And I would just buy things that I knew I was just going to put in there and hold them and like, never look at them. Right. Like for example, Apple and Microsoft. And to this day, they're still my biggest winners. Go figure. Right. So um, anyway, so those were the early days. Then Robinhood came along. And then I will say that whenever um, COVID hit, like in March, 2020, that's when I got addicted. Yeah. I'll say that like, I'm on it every day. I always know what's going on. I have a really, I have a pretty good pulse on the market at, at basically all times. And uh, coincidentally, the reason I switched over and rage canceled my Robinhood account was because they cost me money whenever I wanted to make movements. Um, and their, their platform like shit the bed 
for mm. 48, I think it was 48, maybe to 72 hours. And I couldn't do anything. Tons of users couldn't. And then of course there was the whole liquidity issue with GameStop and AMC and we won't even get into all that. So they, they suck. Um, yeah. But anyways, my strategy, especially, you know, whenever I talk to other people, I, my motto for the past, I'd say about two years, but now I'm changing my tune a little bit is cash is trash. Basically, if you have cash now, now I'm changing it to fiat cash is, is trash. Mm -hmm. But if you have cash just sitting around uninvested and you don't need it, you don't need to have that liquid cash on hand. It's essentially costing you money. Right. So leading up to COVID, I can remember I was getting, I want to say as high as 2.5% in my online savings accounts, like Capital One and Discover. And there was the part of me that was like, this is a nice rate considering I'm doing nothing. There's zero risk and I don't even have to think about it. So it was a big change whenever COVID hit. And I was like, I got to free up some cash to get in here, you know, because this is interest rates still regular bank interest rates are costing, they're costing you money. It's like, right. I think my best one is 0.4%. So that's the first part of the strategy is like invest cash that, or at least it was at that time, cash that you don't need on hand right now. Second thing is hold everything long-term, just pretty much period. Right. And the other thing, you know, cause I'm always, I want to know how much something is going to be worth in six years, not six months. Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases, that's usually how I'm investing. And um, the other part is um, you might have to bail me out here and just ask me some more questions or something, mm -hmm. Jay, because there was a, another important thing I was trying to think of besides long. Oh, sorry. Diversification. Mm -hmm. Like I am not the kind of person who is in two or three positions. And I just kind of like cycle in and out of a couple. I have zillions of stocks. I have zillions of cryptocurrencies. I'm just, and once again, I'm trying to actually consolidate and pull some of those things back because I am changing my strategies now, nowadays. So yeah. that's sort of what I have been doing for the most part over the past couple of years, but I have implemented some new things that I would love to talk more about today, but I want to pass the mic back to you for, yeah. you know, your input and your overall strategy. Yeah. So my, my overall strategy is I personally don't really have a whole lot at all in my cash savings account for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And I, up until probably similar time frame to you, like up until 2017, 2016 or so, I had a couple of things that I had bought like way long time ago type of thing. Um, nothing too crazy that made me like win super big or anything like that. But, um, you know, I finally started getting into it a little bit in like 2017, where I would basically take some money out of my savings account, put it into my TD Ameritrade account and like just start buying like Apple and like random things. And a lot of this also correlates with once I started paying down my student loans enough and once I started making more money, I actually started getting a little bit more interested because, you know, my first solid three to four years out of college were just like make money and try to pay off your student loans because I went to a really expensive school and got a marketing degree. So do the math on that. Um, I had a lot of student debt is what I'm saying. And um, I was always paying like triple what my payment was supposed to be. And like, I didn't really have a whole lot left over at the end of the day to even worry about savings accounts and like putting stuff into the stock market. But then once I finally felt like I had a decent grasp of, um, 
you know, finances and like what to do. And then also at the same time, I started making a little bit more money, paying down loans a little bit more. I was like, okay, it's time to get a little bit more serious about investing because I mean, I wish somebody had told me like in college, like, Hey, first thing you should do after you graduate is like, start putting something small, like a hundred bucks a month into like the stock market. Like I wish I would have done something earlier, but, um, I just never really got that. I mean, I, I guess I knew about it in the back of my head, but there was nobody really pushing me to be like, dude, like you're wasting money. Like it's just sitting there, like put it in the stock market. Cause I probably would have had a lot more to my name than I do now. But that being said, I did really go in heavily at the right time, which was March and April of 2020 when COVID hit and made the whole market collapse and everything was like 10 cents on the dollar. So I didn't realize how addicted I would get from doing that, but I started, I started buying things. And then like six months later, seeing that they were worth six or eight times more than they were when I bought. And I was like, wow, like this is the power of the stock market. And, you know, once COVID started to, you know, turn the corner and become a little bit less of a panic mode thing, I feel like NFTs and crypto really started to become a, a hot topic too. And that's when I started learning about that and like all the capabilities there. And um, so far, I'm, I'm not as deep as you when it comes to how much crypto I have or how often I check NFTs and things like that. But I definitely dabble and like I keep an eye on things. But I would say my high level strategy has been just in general, just buying stocks, like buying crypto, like buying different types of things. Um, the main thing is just not having a whole lot in my savings account because I'm not the type of person that is going to need to pull out 50 grand for something anytime soon. Um, you know, there might be little things like, you know, our wedding's coming up, but like we're trying to be somewhat financially smart about it. But um, there's little things like that that, of course, come up in life that are like one time events. But big picture wise, I really don't like to have a lot of money just sitting in a savings account. So yeah. I would say I have enough for, you know, if the Rainy world day, collapses and you just, you just never know. But uh, if you have too much in there and it could be going to different stocks and different cryptocurrencies, you're just you're wasting money and you're letting money just, you know, sit there and rot away. So yeah, that's kind of my high level. And really, it's more about um, if your personal life collapses and you some tragedy befalls you because let's face it, if the world collapses, your fiat's not going to be worth anything. Oh, of course. <laughs> so yeah. who gives a shit? But, but anyways. The, I guess yeah. the way the world is these days, I'm very confident that even if, let's say, brick media collapsed or like something happened and I lost all my clients, I still feel confident enough, knock on wood, that I'd be able to get a job and like be on my feet again relatively quickly. Or I'd just start another business and figure something else out because yeah, the way the world is nowadays, like there's so much opportunity and there's so many ways to make money. So I'm never super worried that there's ever going to be a time where I don't have any sources of income and, you know, you know, I have enough money sitting in stocks and other things to where I think I'd be okay for a while. See, that's a really, this is a really important part of this conversation that I would like to at least get out there, especially for people who, you know, aren't, aren't very financially sa uh, savvy and don't have the experience and everything. The, the one thing that you said um, that I don't want to say that I disagree with, but I'm basically saying, I think maybe serendipitously you did the right thing. Mm -hmm. If you have debt of any kind, well, I shouldn't say that if you have unsecured debt, so 
um, a co- you know college debt, if you have um, credit card debt, if you have a personal loan, anything like that, not a house or a car loan or, or a mortgage where you have collateral, you know, in instead that first of all, you don't own your own life if you do. And in my humble opinion, it should be a number one priority to get rid of that because any, anything else that you're doing, saving money, investing the interest on that debt is if it's any substantial principle on that that amount of debt, it's it's costing you more money. So get rid of that first. That's just my first thing to that my first piece of advice to anybody is your pr- number one priority should be to get out of um, any kind of unsecured debt that you have. Um, with that being said, I I hear you, Jake. I do wish just in general because of the way time works, it is so crazy to think about like if you put a thousand dollars into Microsoft in 2011. You know what I mean? Like right. that's just the that's the power of holding in like long term gains yep. and everything like that. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's been I feel like it's been a humbling experience over the past let's say three to six months, where of course when I buy at the very low <laughs> when COVID starts and then everything skyrockets. And like all of the crypto stuff is going through the roof and like every NFT you buy is worth 10 times more in a week. Like, I feel like recently things have been a little bit worse and like a little bit and, you know, a little bit more normal, I would say, where, um, you know, I'm not saying normal is like low, like it's been really bad lately. So of course, yeah, it's been like a little bit worse than normal, but I would say it's been eye opening to say the least with you know, looking at my portfolio and not everything is like sky high, like I'm killing it on every single position that I have and every crypto that I have and every NFT that I have is like through the moon. It's just been a little bit more humbling because I feel like in the middle of all of it, like when you and I were texting every single day about like what stocks are we going to buy and things like that, I was just buying random stuff and just like being like, I know that's going to go up in like a week, like where that's not normal. And I think I got into this mindset that like anything I buy is going to go up. Like, trust me, it's going to go up. Well, here's the thing. In a lot of cases, you were right. Right. Like we went through that cycle last year for a good part of the year, except for some of the really stupid things that we bought. But like any even average company, yes, you're just going to print money. You're, we're going to print money. And um, I was texting a good friend of mine, actually my boss at my last job, maybe several weeks ago. And uh, I was talking to him about it because, you know, we had that huge correction. And I don't know if that's over, by the way. Yeah. I, I think we're, we either are or were due for worse than what happened. But, oh, yeah. you know, he made that comment, uh, a similar comment. He said, like, we stayed at the craps table for too long while things were going good and got greedy and didn't know when to walk away. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened like to that sort of reset everything for me over the past, you know, 45 days for sure. That especially happened to me with NFTs because I was buying every project that was minting and like anything I saw on Twitter, I was like, I'm buying it. (laughs) Like everything that somebody would text me, I'd just be like, got it. I'm buying it right now. Yeah. Um, And of course there's like some fun, like you and I had fun with that. So like, I Mm -hmm. still value that of course, like just the camaraderie that comes with it. But um 
you know, if you buy an NFT right now when it mints for like 0.08 or 0.1 ETH, there's a pretty solid chance that that's not going to go up right now in the current market. Yeah. So there's so much saturation and like uh, the, the three main NFTs like ecosystems that I deal in. And I mean, there are more, believe it or not, but um, of course, you know, there's Ethereum, which that's where all the money, that's where the big money is. Mm -hmm. And it's also the one I hate the most because I think, um, I think Ethereum is dog shit. Like the way that it works and the gas fees and the trans it's, it's absolute garbage, but it was one of the first and it's huge and it's, it's ubiquitous and layer two is, or Ethereum 2.0 is eventually never coming, whatever. But right. um, I say, I say that facetiously, of course. Um, then there's Solana, which is like the blockchain and the way everything works functionally is like amazing. It's Really cool. The fees basically round down to zero. It's mm-hmm. it's fast. It's efficient. Um, it is cent- it's kind of centralized. So that's the trade-off, you know, mm-hmm. because then you're sort of back to square one in terms of like the whole point of crypto. And then you have Cardano, which that's another complete animal because I think there are, in my opinion, at least in my experience so far, there are fewer bad actors in the NFT space uh, on for CNFTs right now. And, and I say that because like one out of every, I don't know, I'm just going to say half dozen Solana projects, it seems like anymore are rugs. Like, yeah. I know you haven't been following it at all, dude, that whole, I'm like, I'm not like not, not touching anything with a 10 foot pole right now. It's disgusting. And there, right. there are people who they come out and they proudly say like, this is, it's me again. I just rugged you guys for the third time. Remember so-and-so project. That was me. And they do, and then they do these ho- terrible but hilarious AMAs, mm-hmm. where they're just, you know, they don't, they don't give a shit. They're just going right out there saying like, I saw an opportunity and I took it, and blah blah blah, that kind of thing. Right. Anyways, uh, finishing up the Cardano part, um, that blockchain right now is it's constantly operating at over ninety percent, maybe even in some cases, a couple of weeks ago, ninety five percent. Uh, blockchain congestion because it's like bogged down with all these NFTs and it's kind of a mm-hmm. shame because it's a it's a it's a great network and their blockchain in theory and they're doing a lot of big things in the world and, and I like what they're trying to do and they're super decentralized but that comes at the cost of you know it's it's not as fast and efficient as Solana so of course. It, like NFTs are insane we'll talk a little bit more about my approach to those as of right now even versus three weeks ago so yeah. Um, and if, if you're somebody that clicked on this episode, I mean, maybe you were just curious and you know Alex and you wanted to listen to it. Maybe the title got you and you were interested because it said happy hour or something. But just in case you're one of the people in my audience that maybe you know me from LinkedIn or Instagram or personal life or whatever, and you're hearing all this nerdy Solana Cardano talk and you want to know what the heck an NFT even is in the first place, um, Alex, let's break that down for people. Um, what, how would you define an NFT to somebody that has literally no idea what it is other than seeing a headline? So first and foremost, and I, I bet you there's a lot of people who deal in NFTs who don't even know exactly what that, that initialism means. It's a non-fungible token. And what fungible means, more importantly, is a simple analogy. All United States $1 bills are fungible because they're they're all the same thing. They're all worth $1. It doesn't matter if it's dirty or brand new or whatever, as long as it's intact over 51% of it. 
um, it's worth the same. Whereas non-fungible means, even though you might have a collection of 10,000 different items or whatever, they are all unique in the sense that one cannot be exchanged for another. So obviously uh, serial number 2345 is different from 8765. And in the in many cases with all these stupid PFP projects and everything, they, they have different traits and all that. But the point is one is not equal to another. And at the core of all of this, they live on the blockchain. So you can't replicate them. You can't copy them. It's one of a kind. And what I think is uh, another really cool analogy to draw is, you know, people who I'll say this um, insultingly, uh, you know, they call them right click savers, Mm -hmm. meaning people who make fun of NFTs and like, oh, it's a JPEG. It's like, well, yes, you see a picture, but they, and then they right click save it. And they're like, oh, look, it's mine now. It's like, okay, go ahead and try and sell it. Mm -hmm. Go go sell that. If it's the same thing, then you can sell that. Yeah. You can go to the blockchain in three seconds and see that they don't actually own it. Like if I, if I wanted to go on, uh, uh, I think Jay-Z has a, has a crypto punk as his Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I wanted to go to Jay-Z's account and right click on his profile picture, save it and set it as mine and be like, look, I own a crypto punk. I could, but then somebody in two seconds could go on the blockchain and know that I don't have it. So exactly. It's actually, a, it's more legitimate in a lot of ways than social media in the first place, because everybody puts on Instagram, you know, their perfect moment in their day or, you know, something where they look the best. And then in real life, you know, that moment wasn't that perfect. And maybe they don't look as good as they think they do in that picture. So um, the blockchain that, that and would... NFTs are more, they're more real than quote unquote, real life these days. That was beautiful. I'm going to steal some of that. I, I really <laughs> like the way you put that very eloquently because it's like the blockchain sees and knows all. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's provable. It's concrete. That's, that's the main thing here. So that's what NFTs are. And there's different allure for everybody. And, um, you know, I, basically the way I feel about them is they drive me insane. I, I hate them. I don't want to do deal with them anymore, but like, because there's money to be made, I literally can't help myself. Right. And I want the, I'll say that the NFT PFP, which is profile picture. So anytime you see there's 10,000 of these and it's like a stupid shot from, you know, the shoulders up of a stupid animal or a person or whatever, those are PFPs, PFP Mm -hmm. collections. I want that bubble to pop, including mine. I want all mine to go to zero and lose all the money I have in it. So I don't have to think about it anymore. Right. And then let's, Hey, let's actually use NFTs for really interesting, useful things, mm-hmm. you know, like music copyrights and stuff like that. And being able to sell licenses and like right. there's a zillion different, really good, smart applications for these things. And mm-hmm. some NFTs that are PFPs do have the hot button word utility. You know, if something has utility, for example, I'll pass the mic to you on this, Jake, but uh, Gary V's V friends, that's cool. Cause it's like, yes, it's a picture, but it does this. Right. Yeah. Gary V's, uh, Gary V's specific NFT project V friends, you, you get the NFT. So you get the picture, you get the art, whatever it is, whatever, whatever one you pick and you want to buy. But because you own that piece of artwork, you also get three years of a conference um, a business conference that's similar to like a, you know, like a South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, or 
you know, or a business conference or like a cool, like pop culture type of conference. Um, you know, Gary's going to have like big rap artists there and like business speakers, like, like the Mark Cubans and the Tony Robbins type of people mm -hmm. in the world are going to be speaking at it. So, and you get three years of being able to go to that conference just by having his NFT. And it's at the Minnesota Vikings stadium in Minnesota, which is going to be really cool. Um, and, but that's just one example of like how you can use an NFT for something else. Like it's basically functioning in that scenario as a ticket that's valid for three years. And Gary also has another NFT project where it's called Fly Fish Club. And it's the world's first NFT restaurant. And it's in New York City. Like it's a physical restaurant. that's like 15,000 square feet or something like that. And it's like a high end place where you get like fancy dinner and cocktails and like Gary knows some of the best chefs in New York City. So like he got them to curate the menu and stuff like that. But you can only go to that restaurant if you own the NFT. And they mm -hmm. sold, I think, 10,000 of them or I don't know, something around that. Um, so there's only these 10,000 people. And there might be some nuances, like maybe they can bring guests or something. But only the people that have this NFT have access to the restaurant. So... I guess think of it kind of like a country club, like kind of like one of membership. those places. Yeah, it's a membership. It's so something yeah. where you can only get in if you either pay, aka have this one NFT. Yeah. And the cool thing about it though, versus let's use a country club as an example. Whenever you have a country club membership, that's not an asset that's building for you over time that you can then sell to somebody else. So whenever you have a country club membership, you pay your thousand a month 500 a month whatever it is to be a member of that and that money just gets flushed down the toilet and then if you ever decide you don't want to be a part of that anymore it's not like they give you your money back like you just leave and you <laughs> and you and you don't get anything yeah but with nfts like with this fly fish club let's say you live in new york city and you have this nft and you use this restaurant thing like once a month or something like that and it's like a really cool experience with your friends or whatever but then you just then you get a job in Detroit and you have to move from New York city, you can sell that NFT to somebody else that lives in New York and wants to use it. Or obviously just somebody that wants to buy the NFT and hold on to it and sell it to somebody else. Yeah, but maybe they just want to flip it for profit. Right. But yeah, the point is like that NFT turns into something that you can then turn around and sell. And over time, depending on how well Gary V does and his team does at building the hype of this restaurant and how trendy it gets in like culture and how much people talk about it and things like that. I mean, imagine you use it for three years and then three years goes by and it's like this really sought after place to go. And it's like this real trendy thing. And then you're one of the only 10,000 people that has that NFT. You might be able to like, maybe you bought it for 3000 bucks. You might be able to sell that for like 20,000 bucks in three years. And then you yep. got to use it for three years. You got to have a good time. And then you got an asset and now you sell it and you make profit on it. So it's yeah. a beautiful thing. And it, and it paid for all of the fun times that you had at that, if it were that big of a raw number for sure. Right. Yeah. And then the crazy thing about it too, for um, like for the fly fish club and the restaurant and like Gary and all of them, like from their perspective, I mean, I, I haven't looked into it again. So like, I might be wrong. I might want to look this up afterwards, but it's not like the food and the drinks are free once you get in, like you're still paying for it as if it's a normal restaurant. And they're, they're also making money off of royalties every time people buy and sell these NFTs. 
So they have the revenue stream from the people that are using the place. And then they also have the revenue stream from people that are buying and selling the NFTs and the initial launch of the 10,000 NFTs. I mean, let's say they sold each one for 2000 bucks, whatever 2000 times, you know, 10,000 NFTs is, cause I'm sure they're going to sell out. That's probably $20 million. Yep. And it's like, why in that scenario would you ever even need to have like an investor or like, you know, like you can just fund the business using the NFT launch. Yeah. And, that's what, and, and then the royalties will provide passive income in perpetuity. Right. So I think that's the thing about NFTs that not a lot of people are grasping yet is like, they, they think it's like an art thing where like, yeah, you buy a, like, you know, buy a fancy piece of art and hang it on your wall in your house. And it's like worth a lot of money. Um, that's how a lot of people think NFTs are. And they think that's kind of all it is, but they don't realize that there's so many different applications where like, you know, I heard a podcast like two weeks ago where somebody was talking about what if there was a rapper or a band that you heavily believed in and you were like, these people are going to crush it one day. And like, they're, you know, nobody knows about them yet. And then they launch an NFT project and instead of signing a record label deal, and the NFT project, maybe, you know, if you own one of their NFTs, maybe in the long term, you get like, maybe there's like a pool of money that comes in from like the Spotify streams and the Apple music streams. And then all of that royalty money from Spotify and Apple goes into this pool. And then all of that gets distributed back to the people that have the NFTs. So instead of the record label getting whatever percentage they get, from the artists, like just by representing them, the fans that were there the earliest for that artist, like imagine if 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I bought Drake's NFT launch. And then yeah. now today I'm getting royalties every time Drake puts out a new album. Yeah, exactly. You'd be retired by now. Right. And so you just did such a, a great job of, of explaining Jake, why I want the shitty, stupid pfp stuff to go away yeah and i want the utility to be able to shine. i want the technology to be able to shine and it's it's it will It'll that that is more people are going to start to understand once they hear people like you talking about it and you know we're not experts at all we're we're trying to explain to you like that it's conceptually it's not that big of a deal it's right. actually pretty easy to understand but just it is so saturated with all the stupid stuff out there right now that's what makes the average person dismiss it you know, just mm -hmm. totally disregard it. Yeah, I think it's because, I mean, really the internet is the only thing that you can even think of that is such a big technology shift that people can't even wrap their heads around it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was really young when the internet first kind of came out and was kind of in its very immature phase. But I read a lot of stuff and I've listened to a lot of stuff that basically tells me that it was the same thing when the internet first came out where like yeah. all the websites that were out there were just like a joke or like some kind of game or message boards were, were a huge thing. Right. Message boards. And like, just, you know, YouTube was just people blowing up Pepsi cans and like, yeah. you know, doing stupid stuff. And like now YouTube stuff that is you and I would have done. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, you think of the early phase of something like that, that's all that's happening with NFTs right now is like people are figuring out the technology and they don't know what the heck to do with it yet. So yeah. they're just doing the most obvious things. So just think about where the internet is right now 
and then think about what nfts could be in like 10 years yeah that's that's very true and the the big differentiator here that makes it like really good for people who decide to do something even if it's just another shitty pfp collection is as long as they have the resources to pay their devs and get it get it like you know shipped out the door and get their collection minted there's no there you don't answer to any investors or anything like that it's like you got your bag and that's mm-hmm. what the problem is a lot of these you know these i hate using the word project because to me that's too nice of a word to use for most of these but if a project mints its 10,000 nfts and then you know, they like kind of half-ass it and they're like, yeah, we're trying to do this, but it doesn't really come to fruition. They can literally just ghost the Discord right. and ghost, delete their Twitter and they've got their bag. There's no way to get the money back. They don't have to mm-hmm. answer it. They didn't do anything illegal, you mm-hmm. know, definitely not. So yeah, that's, that's what makes it right now. NFTs are the wild west. They are. In a shitty way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am, I am optimistic that, time will do its thing and it's going to weed out all the junk and the crap and burn all the chaff and then at the end of the day we're going to have this amazing technology that we can do unlimited things with yeah we're still in our like awkward teenage years with nfts where like everything's (laughs) ugly and awkward and nobody knows what the hell they're doing exactly but um yeah i think like just to illustrate that a little bit further like a lot of people talk about like the board ape yacht club and like the um crypto punks and really any if you're listening to this and like your friend has texted you in the past month and said dude you gotta check out this nft and it's just like a dinosaur or like an ape or like some stupid shit um a balloon they they probably just saw some influencer tweet about it or post it on instagram and be like oh this is gonna be the next big thing but behind the scenes what's happening there is influencers are getting dm'd by these projects and they're being told hey post about our project and say it's the next big thing and we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars and and then that causes general everyday people to text all their friends and say hey buy this like uh tom brady just tweeted it or like he's not a good example because he wouldn't do that but like he's not an idiot yeah but somebody like some athlete or some rapper or some actor or somebody is just gonna tweet or whatever. I, mm-hmm. I don't, can't name a single song by him, but I got rugged. I mean, I've gotten mm-hmm. rugged a couple times at this point, but um, Eternal Beings, anybody mm-hmm. can look it up. The art is absolute trash, but I fell for it. And I was like, oh, this is a rapper that a lot of people like and whatever. So he tweeted it and it, it immediately sold out at Mint. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was the same day or the same week or what, but then he just quietly deleted the tweet Mm-hmm. and never said anything again and everybody was like oh this was a total scam right and it, it, but it's crazy because people keep letting it happen to them over and over and over again and it's like all these it, it's the same reason why if you go in hype is the big word to watch out for mm-hmm. and shilling obviously is like the other one that is used in the community but when you go into a discord and see there's thirty thousand people in it remember that you know lots of them are probably bots but that's especially twitter right and like the thing to watch out for is whenever a mint occurs and then all of a sudden the community shrinks by like 60%. And mm-hmm. that's because nobody actually gives a shit. I, at this point, I have now come to the consensus that the average person is in it 
because they have dreams of getting rich fast. Of course. There is like the, the, the communities that are real are the ones that like, let's say there's only 5,000 people, but then mint happens and then only half those people got them, but like all 5,000 stay, you know, cause mm-hmm. it has a really good utility or whatever. And it's like all these big influencers and, and people leading the space who have these hundred thousand followers. It's, it's only because you constantly say, retweet this and turn on your tweet notifications and interact with my tweet. And maybe I'll give you a whitelist. Like right. it's so sanctimonious. It makes me cringe. And it's like, you're not actually important. You're only important because you're dangling a carrot in front of these people. If I took that away from you, nobody would give a shit about anything you have to say. Right. And like, I realize I'm getting heated, but this is what happens when you get into this ecosystem. It's not good for you. I do yeah. not recommend anybody get into them right now, unless mm-hmm. there's something that you think is really smart and, and um, has real purpose. Like, and, like anything involving Gary Vee, that's probably safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he's, he's trying to build Disney with, uh, <laughs> with what he's doing. So yeah. It, yeah. it's a little bit more safe to, to bet on because he does know all the Mark Cubans and all the athletes and everybody in the world that could help move something forward. Yeah. Um, in a genuine way, not just like a quick tweet about something. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to learn research more stuff, yeah, if you want to research like the right way to do it, I mean, check out Gary. Um, keep tuning into this, obviously. I mean, I know we're only going to have a little bit of listeners for a while, but Alex and I are going to be honest about everything. And we're not just going to try to get you to buy stupid shit because we think it's cool. But God, no, I'll never um, do that. But yeah, I mean, I can't blame, I can't blame antonio brown like whoever the heck for buying or for taking the hundred thousand dollar check to promote these things because it's like why wouldn't you especially if you know nothing about it and you're just like oh someone's offering me like a million dollars to to tweet some shit like why wouldn't you do that hey guess but, what that's advertising of course that's, that's literally um what's what's the word not sponsorship but like endorsements it's mm-hmm. literally an athlete saying like Oh yeah, I'll drink Gatorade on a thirty-second spot for a right. quarter million dollars, even though like Gatorade is so obviously poison. It's mm-hmm. pure sugar and food coloring. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But like, they don't care. They're gonna get their bag. Like, if if you want to direct your anger at somebody, it would be the product maker or the the NFT minter or whatever, because they're the ones doing it in poor faith. But yeah, um, I, I just think that the same way that like you know, I know people might come at me for this, but like something like MLMs. Or like just anything that seems too good to be true. You've got it. Yeah. Anything that's (laughs) anything that seems too good to be true and your little radar is going off. That's because it's too, it's too good to be true. Yeah. And I will, I agree with you with rare, extremely rare exceptions, like 99 times out of a hundred, you're I'm right there with you. Um, Oh yeah. To to that point though, real quick, there will be some NFT projects that go to the moon. Like, yeah, of course. The same way that I compared it to the internet. Like if you bought Amazon in 2000, like you're a millionaire right now. Yeah. So there are going to be like, you know, a few big winners probably in the space. I'm betting on Gary Vee and his whole ecosystem to be one of those. Um, but who knows? Like it's going to be whoever is able to execute the best on the next five, 10, 20 years on what their project actually means and stands for and like what you get as being part of it. Yep. It's not going to be about the artwork. It's going to be about what the heck you get as an owner of that project. And yeah. there's probably going to be a couple where, you know, similar to like, if you did have the Mona Lisa in your house or, 
you know, if you had a original Banksy or something crazy like yeah. that, like there will be a couple where it's just like the first one or the second one, or like it's the first by a big person or something like that. And if you own that, of course, it's going to be a big deal uh, just for the sake of the art. But I would say 99% of anything that is valuable long-term is going to be because of what you get as part of it's it. It's going to come down to the advertising question. What's in it for me? Right. Of course. Period. Mm-hmm. So um, I def- there's a couple other things I would definitely love to cover from mm-hmm. the investing standpoint. Again, Jake, with crypto and stocks, um, what time are we at? Uh, we're at like 50 something minutes, but we can keep going for a little bit. This is our first one. I would say the, the majority of these segments will probably go 35 to 50 minutes, but this one might go a little longer because it's the intro. Intros, plus I had to rant about NFTs a little bit. Of course. Um, so um, crypto and stocks. Um, the two things I will say is in general, this is my opinion. I don't think it's too late for crypto because there, there are just like the stock market, there are always going to be crashes. We just came out of a pretty bad one. Um, crypto wise, I do hope and think we're, we're through the worst of that bloodshed. What one thing I am seeing is that like the stock market's been like a lot of up and down in the past week while crypto was fully rebounding. That is something that I, as a true believer, love to see because I kind of miss the old days of crypto where it was more wild westy. And now that there is so much institutional um, investing and, and a wide stream or mainstream adoption, the irony is, yes, it's getting bigger and it's more accepted, but I, I can't stand seeing crypto move in sympathy with the stock market. It, I don't think it should. I don't know why it has to. But um, anyways, it, crypto, like Bitcoin's mid-40s right now, I think maybe as of today, it was like 43, 44, something like that. It actually hit, hit through 50, or I'm sorry, 45 last night, middle of the night. So um, I would say it's never too late, but just dip your toes in. And like the way... Um, that sort of goes into another part of my, the way, remember I mentioned that my uh, stocks or like my investing strategy has changed Mm -hmm. is that one thing I do a lot of is I don't do the giant moves in and out of, of markets, whether it's stocks or crypto. Like let's say I want to invest $5,000. That's a, you know, a big number for the average person for Mm -hmm. sure. There's like zero chance I'm going to put $5,000 in on one day. Mm-hmm. What I'll do is put in 1000 1, today and maybe 500 tomorrow and maybe watch for a week and put in another 700 you know, whatever. Just kind of mm-hmm. what I like to do is, especially if I'm holding something long-term, um, one thing I want to get better at doing instead of just hold, hold, hold all the time is double-digit percentage gains. Whenever you on, on a day. So if you go and your stock is up 16% on just that day, in my experience, that full 16% will not stick. Mm-hmm. 8% of it might stick, 12% might stick, 4% might stick. And the I'm it's not a hard and fast rule. I'm just one thing that I would like to get better at doing that I could have made a lot more money over the past year is if I'd been giving haircuts all along the way, you know, t- sell 10% of your pile. It doesn't Same mean sell hair. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And like the worst one, and I asked a bunch of friends and everybody was like, including a good friend of mine who is a certified financial advisor, you know, he didn't want to tell me one way or another, but um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe even a whole month or more ago, Tesla 
had a double digit percentage single day gain. Mm -hmm. It shot up to like 1200 plus. And I knew it was going to tumble again. I was like, Alex, sell even a single share, pocket a few hundred dollars, buy it, buy it back whenever it's 900 again. And then you just pocketed $300. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. Exactly what I knew was going to happen, happened. And here I am hating myself again. Yeah. So, well, it's at 923 today. So yeah. And it got, worse than that. I mean, it was in the 800s. Um, so anyways, the, the point is I do, I'm a big believer in giving haircuts, especially on single days, whenever there's a huge pop, because most likely it won't keep the entire pop. It might fall down and lose a little bit of it and then keep on going up, but you can usually pocket a little bit in between. Just don't try and get too cute by using your entire pile. Because if you do, then that'll be the time that it does stay and it runs to the moon. And then you're <sighs> You're, you feel like crap. Of course. Um, yeah. I've then, had a couple of situations where I wish I would have sold a little bit sooner. And exactly. I, I'm holding a couple of things right now that I'm like, man, like I'm looking at how high they were at one point and I'm like, yep. got to learn my lesson. Another thing to sort of um, hedge your bets is buy on the way up and se- or I'm sorry, <laughs> sell on the <laughs> way up and buy on the way down. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're like me and you get like frustrated and you just want to keep averaging down, like don't throw another thousand into it. Just buy a few more shares. And if it keeps falling, buy a few more shares. And similarly, if you, if something, if a stock is running and you think it has room to go, but you definitely want to lock in some profits and gains, sell 5%. And then if it goes up another 2%, sell another 5%, whatever. So just remember, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. People, um, especially me. I mean, it seems like people are addicted to the idea of putting a bunch in and then like, hopefully getting a big win out of it, but then you also might get a big loss out of it. So something to keep in mind. It's that's just impatience. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And it's like, if you have a long-term mindset, if you want to retire when you're 45 and not when you're 69, it's, I recommend changing that mentality. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And the last two things, this, these are just two personal recommendations from me. One, if you're, if you're a believer in crypto, this was something that I did recently that I just knew deep down, I had a feeling about it. And if I didn't do it and I was right, I would just want to blow my head off. So I actually took an, I have multiple, you know, older retirement 401k accounts, my wife and I both do. And so they're not all, it's not like it's one big nest egg. Mm -hmm. And I took one of the old ones and rolled it into, um, I trust capital. There's tons of different ones that you can use, but it's a, it's a crypto IRA. And you can roll it into a Roth IRA. What that means is, let's just say I rolled in, um, I'm using make-believe numbers. Let's say I rolled in $36,000 and Bitcoin crashed the the way it did recently. And I bought, I was like, screw it, I'm doing it. I bought an entire Bitcoin in this Bitcoin or crypto Roth IRA. And then it goes to where I think it's going, which is to the moon. I mean, I really don't know long-term where Bitcoin coins going, but I think it's going a lot higher than it is now. Let's say for the sake of argument, as a funny joke, it goes to a million dollars. Suddenly that's $970,000 in gains. Guess how much tax you owe on that? Nice. Zero. zero, Legally zero tax on that. So that's just something to concern, uh, to consider if you want to mix crypto into your, your possible investment strategy. That is a perfectly legal and easy to do thing. So keep that in mind. Interesting. And my, la- 
my last piece of advice, and this this is financial advice. I'll say it. <laughs> USDC is it's a stable coin. It's pegged to the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. and like don't even think of it as crypto, even though it technically is. Look, shop around, folks, and look at the interest rates. I can tell you off the top of my head, Celsius pays 8.5% interest, mm-hmm. and Crypto.com app pays if you are one of their cardholders for CRO, which I am if, at a certain tier, you have to have a certain amount staked. They pay 12% interest on USDC. Wow. So if you put, let's say, $50,000 of USDC, which is you would just convert your fiat directly to that you would get paid over $100 a week. Wow, that's incredible. Think about getting that with a traditional disgusting bank. Right. Like it's just unheard of. So right now I'm actually, because of these interest rates, I am trying to liquidate some things. And like I said, I used to say uh, cash is trash. Now I say fiat cash is trash. Mm -hmm. And these are, this is some serious money you can make with no risk. You don't have to worry about it. No effort, passive income. And like, I even got my dad and brother into it who are very risk averse. And I told them, like, they kept asking me, like, you know, like what can happen? And I just made it very clear. And I still feel strongly about this. If something happens to USDC, that means something happened to USD. And that means the world is ending. Right, so right. it's a moot point. <laughs> don't worry yeah. about it. Interesting stuff to think about. Um, yeah. You know, again, None of this is financial advice. Don't do anything we just said or do it. We don't care. Yeah, I was kidding but it's not advice. <laughs> um, but let's see here. Um, when it comes to, I guess, NFTs right now, are you looking at anything specific or are you kind of just burned out on the whole thing and you're kind of done with it? I'm not done with it. I, I'm. The funny thing is I, I do NFTs um, primarily. So there's all the the blockchain ones specifically, like Ethereum, Solana, Cardano. I do them on Crypto.com NFT, which mm-hmm. is a separate platform, and everything is done in USD. I do them on DraftKings. That's also in USD. Yep. And great stock, in my opinion, DraftKings. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent. Long term. Mm-hmm. Long term. Um, all you have to do is. Do you or do you not think people are going to always be addicted to gambling? The answer is yes. Um, and DraftKings is like one of the leaders of the whole thing. So and might not as to well mention fantasy, you know, and mm-hmm. everything else. Um, but, uh, and autograph the, that's, that's the company that they work with for all the NFTs. You know, that's Tom Brady's because mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. I'm anyways, back to your question. I'm up on all of the platforms except for like the straight up. Well, I might be on Ethereum now after that one that I sold recently. But like the Solana ones and, and ADA, I'm just chilling on all those for now because mm-hmm. the market's too saturated. There are tons that are being rugged one after another from people who are like proudly rugging. Mm-hmm. And I just, honestly, I'm trying to liquidate a lot of mine across the board, turn it into USDC and collect 12% interest because that is stupid. Yeah. 12% is, and like, I'm not naive. That's that's not going to last forever. It can't, but I'm going to take advantage of it while it's there. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, to wrap up the, uh, the NFT and investing conversation, I do want to do one special thing for the people that are listening to this and they're loyal early on people that consume this segment. So 
I know that we're talking about kind of like we're cooling off a little bit on our NFT craze, but who knows what the heck could happen with this specific one or any of them. But that being said, if somebody is listening to this episode right now and you share the link to this episode on Twitter and tag me at I am Jake Kurtz, that's my Instagram name. It's pretty much my name everywhere. I'm going to be giving away one of the NFTs that's in my OpenSea account. It is. I love that idea. So I'm, I'm only picking one person. And the NFT that I'm giving away, again, I have no idea if this project is going to be worth anything long term or not, but maybe you'll get lucky. But it's called 3D Martians. Um, is that one of the ones that you and I bought together? Okay. That was one of our first ones. That because we bought we bought Mars Genesis, mm-hmm. and then because we were Mars Genesis holders, we could mint a 3D Martian. I, I will say this: those things are visually, aesthetically, mm-hmm. a thousand times cooler than most of the shit that I see people crank out today. That's what I was thinking. I was looking at some of the other ones in my OpenSea, and I was like, even the art on some of the newer projects is just not even good anymore. Like people aren't even trying. So this is a really cool 3D model, and you can move it around right. in OpenSea. Yeah. So right now, the floor of that project is 0.04 ETH, which in US dollars, that means it's probably worth somewhere around $150. So it's basically like I'm giving you $150 just by taking the link to this episode, tweeting it and tagging me. And I'm actually, just to make it fun, I'm going to give it away on Valentine's Day. Oh, I love it. Dude, that, so, is, that is so great. I'm so glad to hear you're doing that. Plus yeah, I so, have a Martian, so I hope they go to the moon. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, I don't hope they go to the moon because then yeah. I'm going to be pissed I did this giveaway, but maybe exactly. it'll, it'll make the podcast blow up. So who knows? Yeah, and then then it would all be good. Yeah, so that's happening. Um, If you hear this, um, appreciate you listening, and I hope you tweet it, and I hope you are the winner of this. But um, before we go, I wanted to just do a quick little speed round of like fun questions with you that are not related to any of this stuff. Just because I'm I'm ready. I didn't I didn't give you a heads up in any of these questions. Um, You're hearing them for the first time, and um, they're probably going to be pretty easy for you to answer. But I'm just curious on a couple of them. So. The first one that I'm personally, selfishly, the most curious about, um, I don't even know if I've ever asked you this question directly before, but it has to do with me and kind of like my business world. Okay. Um, Did it ever cross your mind in the past that I would own a business or be where I'm at in the business world with, you know, having a business, having employees? Um, Were there any early indicators for you personally that maybe Jake has something that he might do in the future. And I'm talking like before I was like side hustle and like all that kind of stuff. Before all of that stuff? No. Mm-hmm. And okay. not not in a negative way for the same reason that like, you know, somebody could maybe ask that about me. I don't know. I got, mm-hmm. I was voted number two to take over the world or whatever in high school. So that might not be a perfect analogy, but yeah, I remember <laughs> prior to your, your side hustle stuff, um, I would say no, but not because of like a lack of belief or faith or anything. The, the one thing that I'll come clean on the podcast, and we've talked about this a zillion times before, I, Jake on social media just used to drive me crazy. Uh-huh. But like now I look back and I'm like, oh, he had foresight and we were all being really stupid and closed-minded. And <sighs> we just, we couldn't see the power of what he could see. And now he literally makes a living off of it like yeah. a really good and built a business and employs other people to, mm-hmm. to, 
and then helps other businesses with it. So um, I will say that I, I would like to think I was one of your earliest and biggest supporters for brick, because when you were thinking about, you know, quitting your job and I was like, dude, yes, yes. Like I, were. I know, I know you can do this. I'm a hundred percent. I, I would have, that is something I would have gone all in on if I had to yeah. place a bet. Yeah. For the record, you were one of the, one of the earliest people to tell me like, dude, you can do this for sure. Like yeah. once, cause there was probably like a year and a half long period where I was doing like random side work. Like I was doing uh, websites for random businesses in Tampa um, I was running ads for random people on the side for like a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, I was helping people with social content, running their social. Um, I was even like ghost writing some articles for people like business mm-hmm. articles. I was writing my own content. And like, I had like a jakekurtz.com website where I was like writing I remember. articles about business and like, you know, my, you know, me moving to Florida and like what that experience was like. And I just wrote all kinds of content all the time. And you had that one that blew up. I remember mm-hmm. that one article about moving away mm-hmm. from home. Yeah. That ended up getting featured on some big site and it got like shared like a hundred thousand times or something ridiculous like that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just curious because I didn't even really see it in myself until honestly, until right before I quit my job, because like I, I knew that I had like the side stuff and, I thought that I would just be one of those people that always had like a little bit of side stuff going on. And then I had my full-time job, but I guess even me, like I didn't even really know that it was possible until I actually dove in and like started seeing success. But I'm always just curious what the people closest to me thought yeah. around that time, because I don't think I've ever asked you that out of all things. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I saw it starting to develop in like the side stuff, I was like, this dude's got it. Like, and I had been with you long enough with all the previous stuff that you're really good at promoting yourself and others or whatever, yeah, you know, as, as you're a good marketer, mm-hmm. it, it's that simple. Right. You're a good marketer. You're a great marketer. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so second question, what industry do you think you would enjoy outside of the marketing world? And I'm not saying you enjoy the marketing world. I'm just saying, I was going to say just about anything else. (laughs) Yeah. What what are like the top two things or one thing that you would see yourself doing if it wasn't what you're doing now? Um, definitely a pod, like something involving podcasting Mm -hmm. for sure. Like, and, and I definitely have some, some long-term ideas around that, but, um, you know, I, I would love to be like a Joe Rogan. Right. I could because I, I, I would be all about having conversations with anybody, including people that I hate and mm-hmm. like totally disagree with. And cause I think we are lacking that as a society, not just in this country, in the whole world, mm-hmm. people are not willing to actually, I was going to say people aren't willing to talk to each other. That's not true. People are not willing to listen to each other. Right. And you know, just, I love having sit down one-on-one conversations with people in real life and I love it virtually as well. So right. something like that would be really cool. Um, I, there was a period where I was kind of like pursuing a career in medicine and now like, no, thank you to healthcare. Right. I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, I understand the, in it. I understand the like noble side of you that would like yeah, want to make a positive do. impact in the world, um, and help people. But the system is pretty broken. It's so. it's not for me. But like in a 
I, I would like to, you are right. I would like to make a, a leave a footprint in a way that I can contribute in something like, you know, podcasting or whatever. I think that's one answer mm-hmm. and I don't want to dwell too much on it. That's my, the only spur of the moment thing that I could come up with. Okay. Next one is favorite place you've traveled in the U S that's tough. Uh, two off the top of my head. Um, San Antonio, Texas mm. was absolutely incredible. That was a big surprise. Um, Tara yeah. and I were just randomly talking about going somewhere that was on a list. I was like, Oh, the river walk looks cool. And then we spent like an entire weekend on the river walk, like 10 miles up and down. And it's cool. I was just floored with, with that city and how much I enjoyed it. And the other one was, um, Captiva Island in Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. I ne- I had never even like heard about it or anything. And it is very secluded and remote. And we got a beautiful, um, it wasn't a B and B, but it, the point is it was not like a big resort. It was okay. tiny. We had an entire section of, of beach to ourselves and nobody for a half mile in either direction. And that is where I am happiness, happiest. There you so go. I'm surprised Kelly it. and I have never gone there. Oh, dude, I, I'll tell you all the info after this, but that okay. was a, a beautiful like getaway. And San Antonio was like at the top of my list of pleasant surprises. Okay. Yeah. I was never, I was going to say, I would never expect San Antonio because I feel like most people just know that it's in Texas and they know the San Antonio Spurs exist, but exactly. that's really all that they know about it. It is so, it's such a cool city. I just, I was a really, really big fan. Oh, and the Alamo is amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. You that's that's the other how, thing. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, that's all that you and the average person knows about it. So when I was there, I was reading about it and I was, my mind was blown and I was like, these men were literal gods. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really cool history there. So a question now that hits a little bit closer to home. um, What's your favorite overall restaurant in Atlanta? If you had to say, this is my favorite place in Atlanta. Okiboru ramen. That's probably my favorite too. It's there's not (laughs) even a competition. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can I'll give some love to my old favorite, which was um, Avellino's, in the one in specifically in Decatur because they made a pizza with habaneros and hot gabagool capicola on it. So that used to be my favorite. I I don't live there anymore now. Plus Okiboru and Sandy Springs. Um, I have a crippling ramen addiction. It will probably kill me one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I have both been to Japan, and the the Okiboru ramen is the best and most authentic I have had in the states, and it's better than even a couple that we had in Japan. So. Yeah, that place is for me. Anytime I go to visit Alex, a couple times a year. Like if we don't go there, I'm pissed off. Like we have to go there every <laughs> time I visit. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. that's, that's how good that place is. And uh, highly recommend it if you're ever in Atlanta. But absolutely. next speed round question. And I don't even know if I know the answer to this after knowing you for 20 years. But nice. do you have any weird fears or worries that many other people don't have? Like any random fear that like, you're like, I don't know why I'm afraid of this, but I just am. Um. I don't know about in daily life. I mean, maybe it's one of those things. I wish I could give you better answers right now, but I can Mm -hmm. tell you, I do have recurring nightmares. And in those nightmares, it's always uh, a plane crash or like being in a plane that's going down or tidal waves. Uh, Tidal waves. Interesting. I, I guess maybe I have a really weird, irrational fear of both of those things because they manifest themselves in my dreams 
I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word frequently. Interesting. Like it, it would probably mentally break the average person, but I'm just used to it. <laughs> More than once per month. Oh yeah. More than once per week. No. Okay. So but somewhere in the middle. I, I have, I have multiple nightmares per month where I wake up drenched in sweat to the point where I'm like, did I pee myself? And oh, wow. I didn't. It, it's the I wonder, I wonder if like CBD or something would help you not have nightmares anymore. Maybe it, the but, weird um, thing is, again, I'm so used to it that it's just kind of, it's like a quirk about me that I don't, as long as it's not actually hurting me physiologically, and I don't think it is, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Alex has always been one of those people that like vividly remembers his dreams and like mm -hmm. he can recite his dreams. Um, that would be an interesting topic for another episode, but yes, me, I wake up, turns off. Yeah. If I have a dream, I wake up and I forget about it in five minutes or at least 99% of it. Like there might be like one little thing that sticks in my head, but I forget most of it, but you can recite your dreams. Like you're telling a story. That's so. it's pretty wild. Yeah. Especially yeah. in every, if I have a really, really good or cool one, I'll write it down because you forget about it from a a recall perspective. But if you read that a year later, the recognition kicks in and it's like, you just had it and it's really cool. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend that to any uh, dreamers out there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, last question. Um, and it's actually something that you're going to answer. And then I'm going to tell you my answer as well uh, about you. So mm -hmm. if you had to pick and like narrow it down to one skill, whether it's like a hard skill, a soft skill, um, you know, something that helps in day-to-day -day life, what would you say I am best at after you being my best friend for 20 years? What is my top either hard skill or soft skill that you think benefits my day-to-day -day life? Mm, my quick answer is probably the same answer about myself. Mm. The ability to get along with anyone. Mm. Like, so you said hard skills, definitely more soft skills, but like the ability to communicate with people, listen to people, talk to people, show genuine interest, show empathy, sympathy, you know, anything that you, that, that the situation calls for, mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like that has served you and myself as well, very well, all of our lives. Yeah, and it's I mean, probably why you have a really successful business. <laughs> yeah, and it's honestly probably why you and I have been close friends for so long. Exactly. Because yeah. I mean, we mesh very well on that level. And, you know, I knew that it was going to be a soft skill answer because it's not like you and I are like Steph Curry can make 103 pointers in a row. So it's like, no, there's really not, you know, there's certain hard skills that we have, but I would say the soft skills are kind of where you and I thrive. But I um, agree with that. But yeah, for you, um, definitely that, like kind of just being able to, anytime I've introduced you to a friend or like Kelly the first time, or like, um, maybe not family because my, you threw a piece of shit at my house and my mom didn't <laughs> like you for a little bit. Um, a piece of dog shit. It was a piece of Ethereum. Dog <laughs> yeah. Shit yeah. Ethereum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But that's a story for another time. But yeah. anybody that I've ever introduced you to, even people that I was like, I don't know if they have like the same interests or whatever, like they've always ended up loving you and you've always gotten along with them. And it's always turned out to be like a really positive, fun situation. So you definitely have that ability to just make whoever you're with in the room, just feel comfortable, have a good time, no matter who it is, no matter what their interests are. 
So I think that's definitely something that I was going to say, but the other thing that was my original answer, but I think your answer was better. So it made me realize that that's probably what my real answer should have been. But um, my other answer is just like, I feel like you have really good loyalty to the people that you care about and like Tara, me, Kelly, Tom, like your family, really close people in your life. Um, you're just really good at loving those people, being loyal to those people and like making sure that they know that as well. So that's always something that I've really liked about you and that I've always respected about you um, for these 20 years that we've known each other. Well, that, that means the world to me because uh, I'll tell you that it, it takes effort, not the love and the loyalty, um, but you're not the only person to say that to even, even um, acquaintances, because I'm way bigger on, I would rather have, um, you know, 20 really, really close friends than 2000 acquaintances. I'm just, you know, that's more of my speed. And I've even had acquaintances tell me like, man, you're, you're really good at, you know, staying on top of me. Like, you know, I was supposed to get back to you and you're always touching base or whatever. So, um, I do appreciate that. And Mm -hmm. I guess as a hard skill, maybe, well, it's not really a hard skill, but like, um, communication, Mm -hmm. um, and language, you know, me, I I love words and I love, Mm -hmm. I love, um, vocabulary and spelling and everything else. And I think communication is a huge part, um, a big part of that. Oh yeah. That's why, I mean, that's another reason, like with you co-hosting this segment with me, I'm like, I don't have to worry that Alex is going to like stumble, stumble over his words. Mm -hmm. Like I will, and like have awkward pauses. Like you're always, you're always the best when it comes to, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, well, practice makes perfect. I, you know, whenever I started doing this a super long time ago, I I would like to think that I'm better today than Mm -hmm. I was back then. Sure. I'm sure I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to listen to this and like, five years and be like, man, I sucked, but now I'm really good at it. No, but, I've um, been paying attention. You're, you're, you're good for sure. Yeah. It's one of those things where like other people, um, and this is just something that the audience can take from this too, but like other people probably think you're better at things than you do about yourself. Oh, yeah. um, there's probably things about you that you're like, oh man, I suck on video or I suck on like, you know, talking or speaking in front of people or writing and other people might read it or look at it or watch it and be like, oh man, like they're a natural. And exactly. that's happened to me with a lot of friends in my network that are like, oh man, like when I made that video, I thought it sucked. And I'm like, how? Like you, you looked like perfect and you spoke eloquently in that video. Like, you know what you're doing and people are always their biggest critics. So I would say find three to five people that'll be honest with you and not just bullshit you to make you feel better but just genuinely ask them, like, am I, am I good at this? Like, what do you think about this thing that I just did or whatever? Because, you know, to Alex's point, like I might think that I'm average or just like kind of just stumbling along with this, but you might be listening to this. Like, dude, you're really good. So always just keep that in mind when you're trying to do something for yourself that you're probably better than you think you are or you're yeah, worse. It, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and another a uh, really important piece of Gary V wisdom that I, I can remember. It's one of those, one of my homemade terms is a brain checkpoint mm-hmm. when something is being recorded in vivid detail by my brain. And I don't realize it until later, whenever I keep recalling on it, whenever Gary talked about one time, focus on your strengths and don't, don't try and improve your weaknesses unless you absolutely have to, for one particular reason, but so many people are obsessed with getting better at something that they suck at. And it's mm-hmm. like, 
No, you're definitely good at a bunch of other things, like focus on those and master them. Mm -hmm. That's, that's way more useful than being mediocre at a bunch of other things. Yeah. And I was asking, um, two people on my team specifically recently, like, just cause I was curious from their standpoint, since I sort of lead and manage them, I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, what do you view as like my top skill in the business world? Like just you observing me and both of their answers without them being in the same room or like without knowing that the other person also answered it. They both said that I'm great at networking and building relationships with people and like connecting dots. And, um, I realized over time that I also knew that about myself. And because I knew that about myself, I've been pretty much hiring for anything that doesn't have to do with me talking to people and networking and building my business. Exactly. And yep. Brick Media has really taken off in the past like two years. And whenever I think back to like maybe why it's taking off, it's because I'm focusing most of my time on getting out there, marketing the business, sitting down with people for coffee and talking to them and just like building genuine relationships where I'm not just like in it for me. Like I'm really just trying to learn about them and, um, you know, connect the dots in ways that help them. And, you know, to Alex's point, to my team's point, you know, if you're good at one specific thing um, and you know that that's like your core strength, figure out ways in life or obviously in business that you can build around those things where you don't have to focus on things that you naturally just aren't good at or you don't like better yet. Um, yep. And just go and, all in. And really, dude, now that we've covered all of that ground, mm -hmm. tying this all together, all four things that we just talked about are related. So mm -hmm. about just using short phrases, for me, you kind of said like loyalty to friends and family and communications. I said, you get along with everybody. And I agree with you hundred percent relationships building and, and networking and everything. All four of those things are related relationships, communications, loyalty, and, and getting along with people. Mm -hmm. So, right. That's we're just, crazy. We're really yeah. similar along those lines. Yeah. And that's definitely why we've been tight knit for so long, Yep, but but anyway, that's about all I have for this specific episode. Um, appreciate you, Alex, for joining. Uh, my dog just ran in the room, so you might get a little Perfect sound time. clip of that. Um, he's ready for me to be done. Yeah. Um, and remember the 3D Martians NFT that I'm giving away? If you tweet this link and tag me, um, bonus points if you can uh, you know, like say something in it, like why you deserve it or tell other people to listen or something like that but I'm going to be giving that away on Valentine's day. Um, going to be spreading the love that day with some NFTs, but um, do that. Appreciate everybody for listening. And Alex, thanks for being an awesome co-host. Appreciate thanks. it. Man. Thanks for having me, Jake. This was awesome. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to the brick by brick podcast. Please leave a review and connect with me directly on social media and I'll see you guys next time.